episode 67 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about the food we ate at Gen Con 2022. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk with Adam about the food trucks, snacks, and meals that we ate while at Gen Con. If you're interested to hear about fine dining experiences, well, you won't find that in this episode. We're more of a street food and snacks group while at Gen Con. You will hear a bit of commentary on the future of Gen Con and America at the end of this episode. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Aaron, Adam, and myself talking about the food at Gen Con 2022. When German folks say they're hungry, they say, Ich habe Hunger. If you say, Ich bin hungrig, which is, I am hungry, it means, you know what? My German joke is wrong. It's the wrong German joke. It's too All right. What we're going to talk about is Gen Con food. Kind of pros, cons, what we found, where, and what it was like. Yeah, and I think the caveat for this podcast episode is that we made a plan to basically not need to interact with the Gen Con food a lot, though we still did some. So last year when we went, um, we saw other friends who had been before, and they packed like a variety of trail mix bars and all of that kind of stuff. And it wasn't something that occurred to us in year one. We were also staying downtown this year, and we're trying not to, like, go out to eat for every single meal. Yeah. But we did eat uh, in some of the places in the convention. I think we're going to start with in the convention center. And I think the food was better in the convention center this year. There wasn't food in the convention center. Well, well, they had, like, in the hall, they had, like, nachos and pretzels. And... Here's the thing. We were just walking the exhibit hall. And last year, the back wall was closer forward. So, like, I think it was to make it not, like, things be super spread out in a way that felt strange. So they kind of artificially shortened the size of the convention center by adding one of those, like, fabric walls. This year, there was no backing fabric wall. It was absolutely full. And turns out, on the back wall, there's, like, a concession stand. Yeah, with pulled pork nachos. Which were, no, I wasn't pulled pork nachos. Oh, I, you thought that I had nachos, and I at no point did I. Well, what were you eating? It was a, a pulled pork sandwich and potato chips, and then I also got fries because I was living large. The bottom bun, though, like the pork was fine, and I think that over more processed food, like pulled pork just seemed more whole of a food, so I went for that, but I think they made those sandwiches at the beginning of the day. The bottom bun was just moist, is putting it lightly. It was just whatever is left over after a bun soaked for hours in pork juice. Like, it was not good at all. Yeah, and I think I had an But the over, pork was fine. At that same setting, I had an overcooked pretzel with, uh, with mustard, which was not good. Yeah, so the food inside there, while I was thrilled that it existed... Wasn't wasn't anything too special. And it was just regular concession stand food. So pretty good if you want to eat something and not walk. Everything is pretty, can be pretty far away. Now, if you did want to walk, there the concession stands in Lucas Oil were open, which I thought was interesting and fun. And the lines were short and there was seating. There were, so Lucas Oil Stadium, if you're not aware, is where the Colts play. So a professional football team. And it's a Good size stadium. I don't know. Aaron, do you know how it ranks among uh, no, stadium sizes? Is, no, I don't. But it is you large. Should. You know what? I feel like you should talk about the Lucas Oil experience while I look that up. There's apparently a tunnel un that goes underground 
to get to Lucas Oil, which I live here. I had no idea. It's a very nice tunnel. And you think that's a weird thing to say, but it's carpeted. There's one side that has like these light panels so that makes you feel like maybe those are real windows and not just dirt on the other side, which is what is actually happening. It's a long walk. So you go downstairs or an escalator from the convention center so that you're underground. You walk through this, you walk down a slope through a good sized tunnel, good length tunnel. Then you're in Lucas Oil, but you're just like miscellaneously along the outside walls where all the hallways look the same. It's very beige and pretty easy to get lost. And eventually you can wind your way either up to where the food was. So that's like, if you're looking at a normal stadium, there's the football field at the ground level and then the seats like slope up. And there's usually kind of like a terrace is not the right word, but like a plaza at that higher level where they have things like concessions, whatnot. And then, you know, the stadium keeps going up and up past there. You could come up to that level. And when you came up there, there was like another a concession stand that was just open, lots of space, lots of open tables. So if you were already headed over there for something and you were going to do a concession type food, it was different food, which was unexpected. Like these different concession stands each had different food. There's one that's outside of the exhibit hall when you walk in from Georgia Street that had food. The one inside, I don't know, I think that had different food. And then this one in Lucas Oil, they're doing whatever they do. And the same, even though it's different, it also seems like exactly the same food. Not, it's not, but it seems like the same. It's probably all coming on the same truck once the, a week. The big win is that there were regularly seats and tables available there, which was not true anywhere Well, else. yeah, we actually don't know how regularly they were there because we only went by that once, but it was not nearly as crowded as everything else. Right. And it's like out of the way of everything because even if you were in Lucas Oil for an event, the rooms would have been further away. And if you were going on the field, which was like divided up into lots of different tables, lots of different stuff going on down there, that's like when you go down those stairs at a stadium like that, it's multiple stories. Like you're multiple stories up in the air to be there. So it was also pretty well out of the way. I didn't uh, find it as impressive as you did. Uh, you know, I just compared to the other stuff. Uh, the size of Lucas Oil Stadium is, in terms of rank of NFL stadiums by capacity, so seat, seat capacity is how they're generally listed, they're 21st in the NFL, but oh. they're in a group of people, so they're 67,000, 20 is 67, 19, 68... 1868. Oh, so there's like a class. There's a, there's a cluster so of stadiums that are between 68 and 72,000 that kind of goes all the way up. And I got to say, another 1,000 seats in there. It's like, sure. The bigger stadium. And then there's like, it jumps up the top five. Uh, Arrowhead Stadium at 76, AT&T Stadium in Dallas at 80. Lambeau Field, by far the oldest stadium near the top of the list, 1957, it opened 81,000. And then the new MetLife Stadium, 82,500. That's probably plenty of football for this episode. That was way too much, actually. So let's move on to Georgia, Georgia Street. Street and food trucks. Food trucks. They come on a schedule. Mm -hmm. There's morning breakfast food trucks. And then it switches over to, I think, is it lunch and dinner? Or is there lunch trucks and then dinner trucks? I think. I think there's a switch over. Yeah, like there is four a switch over five. like between four and five. Yeah. Yeah. And that just gives different trucks the opportunity to come to this very busy street that ev all of them always had a line. So the food trucks go down one side of the street, the south side of Georgia Street, mm. and they go a little bit down um, Capitol. in front of the convention center itself. 
And I don't know that they went down Capitol as much last year. I think they were just less food trucks in general because it was a smaller crowd last year. On the other side, you have like um, Terry and Izzy's. Yeah, like you have hot box. Soba noodles. The island noodles is what they call themselves. And oh, the Wild Bill who does the sodas. And they're just like always there. So that stuff is there all the time. And then Sun King is always parked in the middle of Georgia Street. And if you haven't seen a picture of it, Georgia Street looks like kind of a big sidewalk because they, they'll close it off for like street parties and things like this. So down the middle, it's like paved even or it's finished even with the streets. There's like wooden planks and then, you know, stonework or whatever else. And so in that middle spot, like it's a wide area in between the two lanes. Yeah. So it's not the, like... Is that called a berm? I have no idea. But it's not It's not like if you're imagining a regular paved city street that gets closed. It's not like that at all. They, it's, it's very much a street that has been redesigned, because it wasn't always like that, to be able to kind of be closed off. Because it goes between the convention center and then it dead ends at the field house where the Pacers play. So in And the mall is on the north side of that. Um, so in between kind of that corridor, you could imagine when the... Um, Super Bowl was here. I think they closed Georgia Street and had like a zip line on it and all kinds of stuff. So that's Georgia Street. They don't close the entire street. They just close it from Capitol to Meridian. So a couple blocks. And we didn't do a lot of food trucks. It was hot. I think that we got hot box pizza. We maybe got Harry and Izzy's. You had a burrito at like a... The burrito was very good. I forget the name of the food truck. Yeah. But it was very good. I paid a small fortune for a lemon shake-up because they had me right where they wanted me. It was hot, and I saw people with them. It was like $8 for sugary lemon in a cup, but like... Yeah. Just last week, I passed a Lemonade Street sign on the street. It was like 25 cents a cup. You did it. You're making this up as like a story? No, no. It was over in in Lawrence. Were they shake-ups? I mean, it was just lemonade in a cup, but I mean, the difference in quality is probably not worth $7. No, that's true. They, they, they weren't doing anything. And to think, like, you could just go over to Whole Foods and buy your own lemons and sugar. And I guess start selling your own lemon shakeups as well. You more than make the money back. Anyways, you also had some kind of fish or something? Oh, I had fish and chips from the Union Jack food truck. Union Jack, um, for context, just closed one of their longest open stores. And I feel like you just shouldn't go to food trucks that belong to the same company that just had to close they a restaurant. Close a like restaurant. They were, yeah. The fish and chips tasted like they were struggling financially. Like, Oh, boy. Yeah, so I think, I think there are good food trucks. I think we didn't really go to them enough to evaluate. And I went to more of them last year and I think also picked them a little better. But we were trying to really sustain ourselves a lot on the snacks that we brought. So every day we packed like protein bars and uh, like nuts, like little packages, like individual packages of nuts and things like that so that we could not be relying solely on whatever was fried from a truck to find. And you also did get an expensive acai bowl, which was, again, something a little healthier. Yeah, it was $14, but it was very delicious. Yeah, and I think that's the the idea of food that can spoil is more expensive because it's kind of hard to keep it fresh and get it to people. Whereas the things that they're kind of throwing together in the trucks are not as often something like that. But I think there were better. I think there were better food truck options that we just didn't take. Right, because we had kind of the alternate food plan. Yeah. Now, as we as we switch into uh, you know beverages 
uh, and coffee, yeah. I would like to throw Adam a quiz. Now, this quiz is, you know, for those of us, for, for those who listen to the show regularly, you might know that I am a coffee elitist and I'm not ashamed to say so. So, Adam, the quiz for you is how many places did I procure coffee during the weekend and how many of them did I approve of? To repeat the question, how many places did I procure did coffee? You get coffee from? Uh-huh. Sorry, procure coffee from. Oh. You yeah. don't get coffee. You procure coffee. That, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, and how many do you approve of? Okay, so downtown Indianapolis, um, which I believe is the 13th largest uh, coffee bar producer in the country. So... You you went to seven different places. You approved of two of them. Is my answer. You got the second half of the question correct. I I went to three places. Um, mm. uh, mostly owing to the fact that the uh, Georgia Street Grind, I know makes great coffee, and I went there every day in waited in line for what was excellent coffee. Uh, there's also a place, a coffee place, and I'm sad I don't remember the name, but it's in where it's where B Coffee Roasters used to be, right across from the convention center. I think it was Pulse. Pulse. Maybe. Oh, it was Pulse, and they were making coffee. Like I was not their target audience for coffee. Like the espresso was not made with care; it was over extracted. And if you put it, in, I mean, like, but but they were making lots of other people happy, and that's great. And then I went to uh, we stayed at the at the the Bottleworks Hotel. And they have a blue-collar coffee shop right downstairs in the mm-hmm. hotel. And I was given a very fine cup of espresso on Sunday morning. Which I thought you should have went there the whole week because it was in our hotel. And, and there was no line. And, and there was no line. And you're, you're not wrong. Bottleworks is on the northeast kind of corner of the tight downtown area. And the convention center is over on the west. Not all the way west, but, but pretty much all the way west downtown. Once you get to the other side of the convention center. Yeah, and then we didn't do a ton of drinks otherwise, but you did get a four-pack of the Gen Con beer. I did. I haven't had it, but it's a beer that they had done before. Like, I didn't, I got a to-go four-pack of the beer because I like to save, every year I like to save the cans and kind of add to the, add to the collection. But, uh, yeah, we didn't buy a lot of drinks. That lemon shake-up that I spent too much on. And we packed, so we took a cooler and a whole lot of drinks, mostly Liquid Death. And Which is sparkling water or still water with flavors. Yeah, yeah, it's just water. Yeah, it, it's just water. It's liquid death, Aaron. That's <laughs> what's in it. So we had lots of those. I took kombuchas, some V8 protein fruit things. Which I liked a lot. They were fine. I expected it to be more like collagen water protein drinks, which are like, like liquid. But it was like you put a protein shake into a can, and I've never drank anything that thick out of a can, and I can't say that I want to again. It was did, too viscous. I did not mind the viscosity. Yeah. So, we got those. But anyways, every uh, night in the hotel room, I would kind of get a collection of them cold, put them in the little mini fridge They are pushing away all the things they think that we ought to pay for, and putting those in instead. Then in the morning, we uh, the first day we got ice, which did work, except we found out that the cooler bag that we have condensates like crazy in a hot car. So it was so wet at the end of day one. Luckily, it didn't ruin any games because we were putting games yeah, into yeah. back into the car. Um, but everything was either in some other bag or it was plastic wrapped. So that was all fine. But then going forward, we didn't add ice. We just kind of let the cooler keep it as cold as it wanted to. It would still condensate a bit. So that was not great. But we would just come back to the car, drop off games, get drinks, 
drink those, put a few drinks in like a, we had a little thermos lunchbox that would hold like three 16 ounce liquid deaths. We would put that back into our book bag and be on our way. I really don't know what the food and drink policy is as far as bringing things in, but I kind of went for a... <laughs> Ask for forgiveness instead of permission? Well, just like, just don't, I'm just going to keep my ignorance on that. So we had uh, drinks in our bag as well as a good amount of food. Yeah. I, I heard someone suggesting that they weren't allowed to bring the food. And I was like, well, we've been bringing this food all weekend. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, we're not, we weren't bringing in. I saw people walking into like events with just like burgers and fries. I think maybe it was the Dice Tower thing. Yeah. I can't remember what it was that we went to. And I just saw people like walking in with two handfuls of of food going into an event. And I'm like, well, I think just anything goes. I think you just take whatever you want, wherever you want until someone stops you. Well, and then on on Wednesday night we did eat at the garage, which is closer to our to Bottleworks Hotel. And if if you're ever well, in right, Indianapolis, it's right, it's not closer to. Yeah. No, it it's, basically it, is. It is the hotel. If you're ever in Indianapolis, you should go to Mass Ave and go to the garage. It's basically, uh, is it like cafeteria? There's a bunch of restaurants. It's, it's a like a food it's court. It's a food hall. But it's a fancy is what they call food it. court. It's very good. So you walk in. It is like a food court. They call it a food. I think a food hall. There's just lots of stands along the edges and then lots of tables. I think they have a bar in there. Lots of tables down the middle. So if you bring a big group, everyone can go pick whatever they want. There's these huge tables, so great for playing games if that's what you're downtown doing. The only thing is it's far from the convention. So it's far enough that we never wanted to like hop on over to the garage and get something to eat and go back over. It was like that would be just a bit too much out of the way i think unless you are someone who travels with their own like electric scooter or something it was it'd be too far away to be convenient and we didn't come back early enough to really have dinner but we didn't eat out like that no the only other thing that we did which is i mean this is not gen related at all because we were pretty far north like on, at 16th street but one night we we were, we were trying to pick up some stuff at the drugstore late yeah and stopped at sushi boss which was open on the iupui campus before heading home and, and that, that was wasn't, pretty good was that Six. That was Tenth Street, right? This that sushi boss and all that stuff. Oh, was it Tenth Street? Yeah, but we went up to Sixteenth Street for the the pharmacy. Right, right. So that's at Tenth Street, and there are a lot of restaurants right over there. So that's another thing where, if you're kind of like had it with convention food, if you are planning to go back to wherever and like play games or do something else, you don't have other events. You step just a little bit outside of that convention bubble in Indianapolis, and like not very far. And you're just back to regular fast food prices and options. So there is just a upcharge of convenience when you're eating right there. Because even if you go south, if you go over to Meridian, which is where Georgia Street's closed up to, if you go over to Meridian and down south, there's like a Arby's, maybe a Subway and a White Castle. And I know they're not changing their prices for the convention. It's probably pretty busy, but like you can just get regular fast food prices in the mall is also another great place to oh, eat. Oh, I didn't think about the food court in the mall, yeah. The food court's in the mall and you it's basically connected. It's uh just on the other side. Yeah, of you don't Meridian. have to go outside. Well no no you don't. So no, you can go a... north in the convention center and then go east through skywalks and stuff and end up in the mall. Um and yeah there's a food court in there. Now it's not uh, recession, etc. It's a downtown mall, so you're gonna have that. But there was still an A&W, there's a Chick-fil-A, there's a Taco Bell, there's a pizza place, 
Uh, there's a taco place, a different taco place. So there's a few things there to eat. Auntie Annie's pretzels. Oh, yeah. Things like that. So there's a few options there. Cinnabon. There's also a P.F. Chang's, which you said you just hate P.F. Chang's. And that's fine. There's bigger restaurants as well, like, well, the Steakhouse, Ruth's Tris, Harry yeah. and Izzy's. There's that new sweet factory or something like that. So there's other bigger restaurants. What we found last year when we tried to go to restaurants, this is, again, when Gen Con was smaller, you just basically needed to have reservations ahead of time or you were going to wait a super long time, which is great for the local economy, but awful for a person trying to get a meal at a, in a reasonable way. We did the food, right? I think that's everything for food. Yeah. Adam, are you still hungry? I, mean, I was eating pizza oh, I, previous to this. I ate a whole pizza. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not that I couldn't eat more, but like... You can't be eating more than a pizza in a sitting. Did you talk about the Gen Con pizza? It was Tater Invader. Yeah. So Hotbox Pizza always does a, they make a signature, you know, pizza for the convention. It had tater tots right. on it. It had two kinds of cheese. It had a sour cream sauce. I think it had cheddar and mozzarella, maybe. Some kind of sour cream uh, drizzle that they put on it. Maybe like... Maybe there was bacon. It was not a too? it was not a lactose intolerant friendly pizza. It absolutely was not. As I would say, most of the things on Georgia Street, like you know what makes quick food better, cheese. cheese. That's what does it. It was. I had just one slice, and it's only six. Was six dollars for a slice, or maybe five or six dollars. And their breadsticks you can get for five dollars, but you also get with it a cup that is otherwise sold for two dollars. So pretty affordable place to eat and i was very hungry it was like four o'clock in the afternoon we went i was very hungry i ate that entire slice of pizza it was large and it was i was full so i can't even tell you how good it was but what i do know is after i was done i was full for hours was there ever like a or where you're playing games and you're like oh man you know be perfect right now after this you know after conquering middle earth nice hoagie or whatever. I would say that there was, for all the food options, there aren't as many food game pairings as you would hope. Now, when you go into the restaurants, I think a lot of them, whether it's really a different menu item or not, or they've just put a name on it, will like make little themed stuff. Oh yeah. The, the, the coffee shop, for example, had a simple meeple as one of their beverages. They also had, they're maybe they're everyone they have like a Gen Con menu of like six different drinks yeah. that are Gen Con themed. It's pretty fun. And I think that kind of pulls you a little more into the thing you're doing, kind of what you're saying, like, Oh, I'm going to, we're playing this worker placement game. Let's all get this simple meeple drink and go play the, like that would be very cute and fun inside the convention. They could care less what you're doing. The Again, the gigantic truck of frozen food that comes is like chicken tenders and it's French fries and it's this pork. End of list. Like it's not in no way do they even pretend to theme those things. And, and I, I think it is a little disappointing. And then also the sheer size of the convention center. I can be like. I could see them being like, you think every time someone wants to stroll through here, we're going to rewrite this menu? <laughs> the people just keep coming, and they all eat chicken fingers. I did want to pay like uh, a significant compliment to the Georgia Street Grind. I was talking about how they had like their, their menu customized. Yeah. And in, in, in no way do, does the Georgia Street Grind attempt to resemble a Starbucks. The person in front of me ordered a no-coffee mocha frappuccino, and the guy at the counter didn't bat an eye 
and just rang something up and they made something like that. And I think that that's like the right attitude and not a lot of the third wave coffee shops have that. So I was impressed with the way that they just were like, yes, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And then also they made great espresso for me like two seconds later. Yeah, but I agree with you, Aaron, because it is kind of obnoxious if you go somewhere. You don't have to order. You're like, is it a super caramel freeze? It's all the same stuff. We want all the same thing. Don't make me have to learn a new language every store I go into. That's a weird one to end it on. We gotta say it something is. else. I mean, you can just cut the whole the coffee thing out. I was no, no, really no. just sharing that with Adam. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. You had to explain to me why that was good because I would have also been a person that just went in and ordered whatever I thought I wanted. So you had to explain to me that, like that they don't have that drink. Oh, and if you go, I mean, I have been to other local coffee shops, which I won't name currently, and someone has ordered a beverage by its Starbucks name and they have been corrected and waited. Like, but I it was think pe- that, people waiting for them to correct their order before they would serve them stuff. I think that there's one unnecessary elitism, of course, in lots of places, but two, I think for you to be successful in having that kind of crowd show up on a random day, because we both know day, every day downtown Indianapolis, nothing like that. And that's part of what is great about the convention coming in and part of what is super weird that, like, Indianapolis just opens up to accept 70,000 random people and uh, and does, in fact, serve them and facilitate conventions like these really well. But part of that is when they're gone, like... If you, if anyone there who'd only been there for Gen Con came back to Indianapolis on a regular day, they would be like, does anyone live here? Like, what do people yeah. work here? What happens? It is 100% different. So I know that the coffee shop that used to be where Pulse is said that they eventually, they closed that location. Now a new coffee shop has come in, but that Gen Con was, they kept that location open because Gen Con did so much business all these conventions come but they were like gen con did so much business so i think like how much that i think to be successful down there with all those people yeah you just got to make the order you got to keep the line moving as a small business owner chocolate and milk in a cup and get it out the door because you're not talking about a food truck you're not people that are there all the time as a small business owner to be able to account for that kind of fluctuation and adequately serve and have the right supply for that, like seems like a logistical nightmare when next week everybody's gone. Yeah. Well, that's what B B would say. Like they would have one person working at a time in that downtown coffee shop and they would just sit there and do nothing all day. Right. And that was where Pulse Coffee is now. So that's the coffee shop I was referring to, B Coffee. Yeah. Other day to day, it's nothing like that. But then you can do so much business in just four days that it can pay that person to keep that location open for months. So just the economic power that it's brought. And there's some stuff going on that I don't know that we're going to, maybe we'll talk about it in general, that, you know, uh, the nation continues to split itself along ideological lines. And so there's this kind of possible looming, I would say threat for someone like me that's a local, that Gen Con might go somewhere else because we make some laws that aren't tolerant. I did see they committed mm-hmm. to 2023 in spite of their criticism. Yeah, and I think they had a I I'm sure there's ways to get out of it, but I think they had a contract for some number of years that they were maybe looking at revising. I'm glad they committed to 2023. And my thought about that and all of this, which I will touch on briefly in the middle of the food episode or at the end of the food episode, is if we keep splitting ourselves along ideological lines, 
we don't allow ourselves to grow or connect as a nation. We don't allow ourselves to, instead of becoming more red or blue, we don't allow ourselves to mingle into purple. And I think something like Gen Con, where we take a spirit of a hobby, I know there are people there that feel a bunch of different ways about a bunch of different things. But when you're there, there is not a bunch of political or agenda BS. The one thing, and maybe you could say that that's ultimately more progressive because the one thing they say is that harassment will not be tolerated. And I think that's the that's the main point. I think it's great to have this big crowd come into our city with a presence that says we're here to care and support about one another. We're here to play games and, you know, join together around a table. We're not here to find out what is the thing I hate about that person. Like board games have the opposite energy to them. I didn't go to Gen Con for many years despite working downtown and I would just walk down to Georgia Street, see what was up. The people who didn't know that I was local were so friendly. I was like confused because every other convention comes here. The FFA, you know, they're lovely. They weren't that friendly. That It was not the same. So that energy they bring to our city, we need that because we're not always doing progressive stuff. Indianapolis, pretty progressive itself, especially in context, but like we can't keep just splitting up and only going to the places where it's around people that agree with us. So I hope they do stay here because we need people mingling into different areas so that we can grow in understanding with one another instead of just keeping splitting apart. So that is Gen Con. I mean, food. I feel like it's over now. Like it was over just yeah. a minute ago. That's Gen Con food. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah. I heard, uh, now that we're done with that, is it true Lily's leaving? I think a lot of them are threatening to leave. Okay. Because I thought I read something about that. Yeah. There's like 20. So, I heard there's a lot of companies that are threatening to leave or they're sort of like, you need to think twice about what you're doing here. And it would, yeah. if enough of the right companies go, it would, you know, ruin the state economy. Ripple. Yeah. So I think that is the good thing about Indiana being conservative they're usually very business-friendly conservative in that sense. Right. And then we'll need to kind of cower to business. And I think that business wasn't always needing to push that so hard on these, like, mm -hmm. social matters. But it's becoming to a thing where, like, yeah, we're, we can't just can't just keep doing this. Yeah, because I mean, it's one thing to, like, have Sunday beer sales and, like, you know, progressive folks want it and conservative folks don't want it. But it's another thing to, like, oh... We're gonna make. Just we're gonna make take away easy. some. We're some rights. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to episode sixty-seven. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at varianthex.com, and you can email us at podcast at varianthex.com. All those things I just mentioned haven't received too much attention lately, and if we didn't have other jobs, I'd make some promises there. But instead, I'll just promise that we have more episodes coming soon. The next episode will be our recap of the exhibit hall for Gen Con 2022, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 66 more episodes headed your way, the next one being our recap of the events we attended at Gen Con 2022. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.